Welcome to Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to discuss Season 3, Episode 22 of Farscape. Dog with Two Bones. Okay, well, I like this episode in general. Oh my god, it has so much plot. Okay, usually your complaint is the opposite, that an episode has not enough plot. Yes, I know, I can't have it both ways, but honestly, I kind of wish they dropped the hallucinations thing with John. That's the heart of this episode. We've been to this well so many times. I... I... I think they needed to drop one plot. Actually, ideally, I think it would probably be the Mad Leviathan thing, because... They just stop talking about it. Like, I mean, I know it's because it gets resolved, but it gets resolved like halfway through the episode. I'm like, you spent so much time on this plot. So maybe it just felt weird to you because the two plots are, aren't really concurrent. Like the Mad Leviathan plot is solved and then we've still got 20 minutes of show left. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just, it, it feels like there's too much going on, which I know my problem is almost always that you know farscape feels like it only really needs to be about 30 minutes but okay so i have no problem i think the right amount of stuff is going on and i love the way that it's it it's so chaotic it's it's the chaos of everyone leaving i we should just talk about it i think yeah hope you like john's daddy issues because those are back in full force well i mean farscape is kind of daddy issues all the way down that is accurate yes so, as a reminder, uh, John had a duplicate self who was just as real as he is, but he died. He got all radiationed up and he died. And Aaron was in love with him and they were like sex partners and love havers. And she was very devastated by his death. Mm-hmm. And now she's with John Classic or the John that didn't die. The John that lived, yes. The John that lived. And she's like, oh, I can't really be with you because you remind me of, you know, the guy who died because you are him. Also, Talon died. Also, also, Krace died. Yeah, so that they could blow up the command carrier and destroy all of the wormhole knowledge that Scorpius was acquiring. Also, it was heavily implied in that episode that Scorpius died when they did that. Okay, yeah. But in, even in this episode, I don't think anyone thinks Scorpius is dead. This would be like, what, his fourth, fifth death fake out in the show everyone knows by this point yeah this isn't x-men we're not all pretending professor x is dead z's for real this time so this episode i love it keeps you back footed so much the very first scene we see john in a bridal shop with aaron and she's like trying on bridal gowns the first one she comes out in is like super super sexy it really it's it's it looks like something you would wear to like the oscars not to a wedding. Oh, we went in really different directions. Oh, what were you going to say? Uh, it's the first part of a bride-themed stripper's outfit. All right. Well, no, because the thing is, it doesn't really read bridal to me. It looks just like an evening gown, even though it's white. The only thing bridal about it is that it's white. Mm. Well, I, I feel like you need a veil to really sell the whole thing. She's in this room full of mannequins that are also in wedding dresses, which That's is... A... what bridal shops are. Uh I feel like it adds a kind of creepy surrealistic because the rest of the shop is empty. It's just John and Aaron alone with all of these mannequins in this very stark room. Yes, and it's very bright and it has like a very light pink palette to the to the whole composition of the scene. Yeah, you're right. It it is kind of a it has it has an emptiness. It almost feels like afterlifey. Um but yes, yes, I see what you're saying. Although that is what 
bridal shops go for that you died and went to heaven feel <laughs> so i want to take us back to i'm sorry it looked like you had something i did but i think you might go to a place that's going to segue nicely to what i was going to say Okay, so I want to go back to a previous episode, one that is widely beloved except by us because I hated it. The uh, cartoon episode. Oh, okay. That's not where I was going to go, but okay. Revenging Angel. So in the bits with the John in that episode is the John that we're currently dealing with. Non-dead John. Living John. Accurate. And in the bit where he has his Aaron hallucination, she's not Aaron as she is in real life, as it were. She's this idealized version of Aaron that exists to John. Not just in the fact that she's a cartoon with impossible breasts, but also she makes pop culture references. She has more of his style of humor when she's talking to him. She's the ideal Aaron for this John. An Aaron that is more John. Okay, so so much to unpack about what you said yes I'm, for, first of all yes well i feel like this episode deconstructs that concept the idea that the aaron that john wants is not the real aaron i'm sorry go on well so that the title of this episode is dog with two bones mm -hmm. and for john the two bones, and he's going to tell the story later in this in the episode but just in case it's not a a fable that you know it's like an aesop fable you know, dog's got a bone and he looks in the water and he sees another dog with another bone and he gets upset and he says, I'm going to get that bone too. And he barks at the dog. And then of course his bone drops in the water and now he has no bones. And for John, the two bones that he wanted was to be in space and to get back to earth. And he's realizing he can't reconcile those two things. He can't be with Aaron and be on earth simultaneously. Like this whole hallucination is about how she won't fit in on earth. Mm. And to a lesser extent, how Dargo and Chiana, and in a deleted scene that uh, you said there's too much plot in here, there's a whole deleted plot line about why Pilot won't fit in on Earth. Okay, because uh, I see Pilot loose in like the wedding scene later. I saw, I saw him loose and I was like, that shouldn't work. It took he, like he, 10 puppeteers to. Oh, well, you like you meant in the world of the. Yeah, because yeah. he, he's literally attached to Moya, but go on. I, I'm it took like 10 puppeteers to bring him onto that set and then they cut his plot line. <laughs> I would have been so mad. Because that puppet is giant. Okay, you remember the Treehouse of Horror from The Simpsons where um, Homer keeps going back in time? Yes. Okay, so you know there's a whole montage when he goes in his rampage in the past and starts attacking everything of the house just shooping into all of these different forms? Mm -hmm. Apparently a bunch of them got cut, including one that was just the house drawn entirely out of squirrels. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, like, someone did, like, I think hundreds of drawings of squirrels in the Simpsons style for a gag that got cut, even though it would have taken less than a second. Oh man. Yeah. Ugh. That kind of stuff would be heartbreaking. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. But so to unpack this dog with two bones thing, mm -hmm. you're right. So much of the show has focused on how Aaron is in love with John, but the John that she was in love with is the same John as this John. But maybe we should consider that the Aaron that John is in love with is the Aaron in his head and not the real Aaron. You know, dead John was in love with the real Aaron from when they were together on Talon. Yeah. Who's dead, by the way. Remember, Talon's dead. Dead Talon. 
dead. Also Chris, but eh. Okay, so I what I was going to bring up mm-hmm. is so much less deep than what you were going to say. It's just a fun trivia fact. Okay. And that's that. So, you know, in the wedding shop, Aaron comes out in another dress and John's like, oh, you look great. You wear that dress. Someone's going to marry you. And uh, the dress that she's wearing is the dress that John's uh, fiance wears in Kiss the Princess. It's the same wedding dress. Oh, ah, yeah. that's cute. That, that That's fun. <laughs> So John snaps out of his bridal hallucination and Shiana's like, hey, buddy, what you doing there? Going crazy? John's like, I don't have time to talk to you, Chiana. Why don't you talk to that witch that lives in Moya? And because that's the other thing about this episode. Now there's a witch that lives in Moya. Yep. I'm really disappointed that we get a like two line explanation for her near the end of the episode because... Honestly, I don't think it adds anything to the episode. I think the episode would have been way better if nobody knows why there was a witch on the uh, on Moya. If that was just, this was the episode where there was randomly a witch on Moya, and then it never came up, and no one ever explained it. I think that would have made the plot so much better than just, uh, oh yeah, she snuck on when everything was exploding. It definitely would have added to the dreamlike quality of, you know, the moment. Also, so she... It's it's funny you say that they gave a two line throwaway explanation. That's it's not that she snuck on when they were blowing up the command carrier. There was an escape pod of prisoners who had been on the command carrier who managed to get to an escape pod when it blew up, mm. and John insisted that Moya bring that escape pod on board and that they rescue the people who had been prisoners of the peacekeepers. And when they all left, the witch stayed behind because she wanted to pay John back for saving her life. This is the only episode with the witch, right? Nope. Wait, seriously? She's like a reoccurring character? Yep. Okay, you know what? I'm into it. I like the witch. <laughs> I like just, there's a witch now. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. More shows should do that. Just bam, witch. All right. I'm not saying I wouldn't have preferred it if, you know, if she was a one-shot character. But I I liked her in this episode. I might continue to like her in the future. I mean, I agree with you that she didn't need an explanation because everything in this episode is so dreamlike. And and to forewarn you, season four is going to get even trippier. Like, mm. it would have been okay to just have a random person show up. Now there's a witch. So she's doing some cooking as uh, Chiana and John talk about the future vaguely because everyone is getting ready to head the fuck out. Yeah. Dargo is packing up his ship, his, his Luxon ship. Because he's going to go kill Macton. And Aaron's like, um, you know you can resupply. You don't need to literally take enough food to get all the way to where he is. And Dargo says, your revenge is a dish best served right fucking now. I'm paraphrasing. And Rachel's like, you're going to get yourself killed, you know. Not like me when I overthrow my cousin or whatever. Which, yeah, okay, dude. Do we get resolution on that? Like, does he become emperor of the fish people again or... I'm oh I'm totally okay with spoilers, and I'm assuming everyone listening to the podcast is either okay with spoilers or has already seen the show. I legitimately don't remember if Rigel becomes if <laughs> Rigel becomes Dominar of the Hynerians at the end of the Peacekeeper War or not. Worthwhile character we got there. So Dargo's gonna go off and kill Macton. Uh Chiana asks John what he's gonna do, and he's just gonna stick around and play with wormholes some more. And 
while this conversation is happening, another Leviathan hits Moya. We didn't mention where they were. Uh, you kind of, um, you hinted at it when you're talking about how this episode has too much plot. But they are traveling to the Leviathan burial grounds so that Moya can bury Talon properly. Or, you know, probably, I guess, whatever bits of Talon they scraped off the space station before. Uh... Yeah, you asked me when I read the description of this episode what they could possibly have left. Like, it's like a handful. Like, it's literally like a handful of Talon. They could just toss the little wad of goo that they scooped up. It's dark. It's dark. Oh, oh, is there something dark about the fact that a lobotomized baby killed itself in order to massacre an entire ship full of people? Just so they could kill one guy and wipe one hard drive. It, the show gets fucking dark, Max. They killed a lot of children last episode. They did. Like, textually stated, they killed a lot of children last episode. Yep. Anyway, another Leviathan comes in and wings Moya, uh, damaging her. Yep, this is a mad Leviathan, which... I really don't... Why couldn't it have just been, like, a guardian leviathan who didn't want to, you know, have gunship that murdered a bunch of people being buried with the other leviathans? Well, I know that they did just kill a bunch of people last episode in, in a manner that was morally suspect, but I think it's because they had to be justified in killing this leviathan in the end of the episode. Well... You mean at the halfway point of the episode? Yeah, yeah. If the Leviathan had, like, a legitimate claim to not have Talon buried there, that would be one thing. But when we find out that this Leviathan has killed other Leviathans because she didn't want them buried there and killed her own pilot, like, then it then it becomes kind of okay to kill her. They also could have changed it so they didn't have to kill the other Leviathan. Like, they could have had a conversation or something. Well... Thematically speaking, I think it's important because this is an episode, a lot like The Choice, just about grief, you know? Everybody is losing each other, and Moya has just lost Talon. Aaron is obviously still grieving John, and it's seeing seeing a creature who has gone mad with grief, I, I feel like it adds to that theme. It, it adds to that the impression. It didn't really tie in enough for me, anyway, to the theme of grief. It just more felt like, okay, also we need an action thing to be happening in this episode, so it's not all about feelings. So it's funny because I watched the promo for this that aired before this episode aired, because I was like, there's a lot of things in this episode where you could cheat and make it seem like this episode was completely different than it is. Mm, like the Talking Dog episode of uh, Charmed. Yes. I don't know why I said talking. Just regular dog. Or, or yes, like like the dog episode. But I watched the promo, and it was actually pretty accurate representation of, you know, what happens in this episode. And that promo, significantly, does not include any reference to this plot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Moya's been winged. And she was winged in such a way that it had to have been purposeful. Mm. Like... That Leviathan knew exactly where to hit to do the most damage, and that's what she did. Yeah, it hit Moya in her space flight bladder. I don't know. They're, they talk about level three, and I'm like, it's weird to talk about Moya as having levels because she's like an animal you live inside of. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't think of our dog as having levels. 
she she you know like if if our dog peed on the floor i wouldn't be like oh no there was a leak on level four of the dog it's they're, they're floors she has multiple floors i know it's just it's weird she's alive she's a thing that's alive well i mean the question is why does she have floors she naturally evolved them she evolved the floors <laughs> So while they're having this conversation, Crichton keeps flashing to his hallucination wedding. He sees him. He sees Aaron throwing the bouquet and Jewel catching it, and he sees himself throwing the garter and it lands on Rigel. And everybody's like, "Oh, what does the garter represent?" Because I get the the bouquet represents you know the next person who's going to get married. Does the garter represent the next person who's going to have sex? No, the garter is also the next person to be married. But you throw the garter to the single men and you throw the bouquet to the single women. Uh. And then the two have to get married. Yes. That is kind of the implication of that, right? That is the rule. Mm-hmm. That is how all weddings work. Because if they're not marrying each other, then... Then how could they both be the next person to get married? Yeah. Anyway, we see Dagger at the wedding, and he has two dates, and he's like, Ooh, people here love me. Turns out there are a lot of women on Earth who are totally ready to pick up what I'm putting down, and can confirm. God, I wish I remember what webcomic it was, but... There was a thing where the, you know, creature from the Black Lagoon was complaining to Dracula. He's like, you have it so easy. Women are falling all over themselves to date you just because you're like a sexy vampire whose whole deal is like a metaphor for sex. Who wants to have sex with me? And Dracula just hands him a laptop and he's like, oh, <laughs> oh, Yep. Yeah. Monsters would do well in the dating pool on Earth. I'm not surprised Dargo has two women that want to get all up in his face scrotum because everything about Dargo is terrible. I would totally get down with Dargo. Face scrotum. He has... All right. I am going to cut this part out. Okay. If anything, that seems convenient for me and less pressure on my neck. God. (laughs) Also... Pretty sure sleeping with Dargo kills you. Remember when he sexed that old lady to death? No, she sexed she sexed Moya to death. She was the one who who had that power. Uh, okay, but she needed Dargo's sex things to. She was gonna pull enough energy out of Dargo to just give herself another few years. But... Oh, I thought she was trying to launch herself into heaven. I thought that's what the deal was with that. Oh, you're, I'm sorry. Yes, you're right. She was trying to launch herself into heaven, but then she realized that she had enough power because he was connected to Moya in some way that she could like suck it all in and become young again. But that had nothing to do with him. She was the one who had that power, not him. He was just like the conduit or whatever. Exactly. Also, I mean, I, I guess... Also, Chiana seemed to enjoy it. I mean, not as much as... Not, not enough to not have sex with his son, but if anything, that just speaks to the power of Luxon's. I just... I cannot imagine a less sexual being than Dargo. You and I are very different people. So on Moya, Jewel and Aaron talk about the fact that Aaron's plan now is to leave and find a squadron she's heard of, of ex-peacekeepers who basically just go around being vigilantes, like just doing justice. That sounds pretty cool. I'd watch that TV show. Yeah. It's interesting because Aaron is feeling like she has to go back to the world she was in, right? The comfort of being with a squad again Mm. and having a mission again. But she knows that the peacekeepers are evil and she can't join back up with them. She can't unsee what she's seen. So she has to find that in in a morally distinct way. Okay, I don't want to go off on another tangent so soon. 
But you know the plot of Xena, right? She's a a strong woman who... Okay, so when Xena was first introduced, she was introduced in the Hercules series as a villain. She was a warlord who had her own army. They ravaged and pillaged and whatnot. Okay. But everyone really liked Xena. So they're like, okay, she's going to get a spinoff. But we need to make her not evil anymore. So... Xena is, I mean, honestly, it's Angel to Hercules' Buffy. It's about Xena seeking redemption for her crimes. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. And the first episode is about her trying to go back to her old village so she can just, you know, retire. And she realizes when she's there, she has to defend them from a warlord. And then she's like, oh, wait, I can never escape this. Like, I can't escape violence, but... I can turn violence to my own ends. I can use violence to make up for the violence I committed in the past. Mm-hmm. So then she goes in her quest to eradicate evil in order to make up for the horrible thing she did. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what you're saying is there could have been an Aaron spinoff that was Angel or Xena, but Aaron. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so they're trying to do repairs to Moya, you know, because Moya's being attacked by the other Leviathan. And they need to chuck Talon's body into the memory hole it's just space but yeah this this particular part of space sacred it's very pretty it's a pretty place to throw your kid's corpse god this show is dark mm-hmm. they did not have to do that to talon that feels just so over the Gratuitous. top yeah so jewel is i kind of love how grisly this is she's pulling this chain that's covered in viscera Mm-hmm. As they're trying to, and I'm like, yeah, you can really kind of see the merging of the, you know. The the biological and the mechanical. Yeah. yeah. Aaron, to get, to get it to move, Aaron needs it to melt, so she pulls on Jewel's hair so that Jewel screams, because her screams melt metal. So, while this is happening, Chiana goes to John and is like, hey, about me not going with you. And he's like, I don't want to talk about it. And then we get John's hallucination where he's on Earth and Chiana is on Earth with him. And she is basically, like, I, I mean, we only see her for a second, but we're going to see more of, of Hallucination Chiana later. She's basically, like, a bored socialite on Earth. Like, she just goes around stealing and... Yeah, she's very daddy's little rich girl. Yeah. And, yeah, and there's this, like, weird thing where she's, like... She's having sex with all of John's friends. And his father. And his father, just, you know, to prove that she can. And she's like, what are you going to do, Daddy? You're going to punish me to John? And John's like, I don't enjoy this aspect our relationship has taken since you have come to Earth. Well, she says that she's bored on Earth. She's bored on Earth, and, and humans are boring and prudish. And I get the impression that you're right, that she goes out trying to have as much sex as she can to just, like... Prove that her sexiness is more powerful than humans' prudishness. And, yeah. Uh, Chiana on Earth is not... She, she's not happy. And it's it's not it's, it's not a good situation. I understand why they took the tack they did with Chiana in the other reality. Mm-hmm. But, God, there's some weird Electra thing going on between her and John. Because I never really got the impression that their relationship as as parental on John's side. Like, it's 
it really plays off like this weird Electra thing where she loves John, but she also wants to kill him. And she's also kind of his daughter, but also not. Okay, well, we didn't talk about it because it went by so fast and we were talking about other things. But when John and Aaron are at the bridal shop getting the dress, he gives Aaron the credit card and is like, you should pay. And she is trying to get the cashier to understand her. But she can't understand her English. Erin can't really speak English. She can understand what everyone else says to her because she has translator microbes. But she has to learn to form the human words, which we've talked about on previous podcasts, must be even harder if you have translator microbes. Yeah. Also, I feel like the... I, I mean, I know it's just part of the mental thing. But she says, like, credish card. And the store clerk's like, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah, that, huh? one, that one was being a straight-up bitch. She, no, no. Aaron is about to drop, like, <sighs> hundreds of dollars, and you're, this is- this Thousands, is, even. Yeah, no, no, no bueno, but- it, Like, she's holding a credit card in your face, and she she basically said credit card. She said, like, credit card. What are you talking about, huh? Okay, but let me point out that much like a human reaction, mm-hmm. this is all John's idea of what will happen if he brings his friends back to Earth. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he's afraid of is that if he brings them back to Earth, they will be helpless in much the way that he was helpless when he first got to space. And Chiana's kind of weird reliance on him I think is a reflection of of that in his in his hallucination. The fact that she is dependent on him and he's responsible for her because he's the one who in this scenario would have talked her into coming to Earth. So we keep cutting back in between, you know, that and John is handling his hallucin- his hallucinations pretty well. Well, but then the witch blows more like dust into his face to amp them up. And now John sees himself at the wedding getting shot at and all of his friends dying and he starts shooting in real life and almost shoots Dargo who's like what the hell and the witch is like I'm sorry I misjudged the dosage yeah remember there's a witch and Dargo's like maybe you shouldn't be dosing him at all and she's like oh I'm a wacky witch I've always been here don't question it actually I'm glad you said that because the thing we haven't mentioned is that throughout this episode when people run into her they're always like is she with you? I thought she was with you. Like, no one seems to know who it is that brought her on board. Like, in retrospect, I am... I really wish they hadn't explained her. I would be totally cool with her just being a new castmate, and they never explain where she came from. Yes. Castmate. Yes. Also, also, like, you pointed this out when we were watching it, she's kind of a parody of Xan. Oh, yes. So, as per our discussion about how... This is a role-playing game, uh, and Zan's player, obviously, is now playing Stark. Uh, I also believe that this character was created as a joke to kind of make fun of, of the character of Zan. And is possibly being played as an NPC by that same player character, since Stark is off doing his own thing. <laughs> so... Do you think that this is a character that the DM made up specifically to make fun of Zan and then had the person play? Yes, 100%. I don't, well, I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure if, uh, Zan is playing them, but 100% the person made up this character to make fun of Zan. So, 
Back in John's hallucination, John overhears Aaron having a conversation with John's dad about how she does not like Earth, she does not like it here, and she definitely wants to leave. It's very conspicuously shot for a lot of the beginning of it so that you don't directly see the person she's talking to, Hmm. which is interesting. I really like the framing of this because it does feel like we're in a completely different genre when we have Aaron having this conversation because some space stuff aside, this could just be like a regular movie about a couple that got married too quickly before they really knew each other. Mm -hmm. Like she talks about how she does not fit in here and she's not happy here and how John keeps on projecting all of these things onto her. And he thinks that she'll be happy if she just gives into his image of her but that's never going to be who she really is. Yeah. Aaron says, and I I love this because this is, of course, John's hallucination. She just keeps wondering when John is going to wake up. Ah, oh, love it. So, I mean, gunfire incident aside, though, John is doing pretty well going between hallucinations and then just working on the ship. I guess he's been through this enough times by this point in the show that, you know, he's just like, you know what, whatever. Whatever. So I'm seeing myself back on Earth married to Aaron. Whatever. Listen, I'm having hallucinations. So for this conversation, whatever I say to you is going to have to work for both conversations. So Chiana has gone down into the bowels of Moya and she's like, hey, Zan told me that she would just come down here and chat with you one on one. So I'm going to chat with you. And basically, I know that this other Leviathan is trying to stop you from bearing Talon. And I think we should fucking kill her. I think we should just wipe that bitch out. Yeah, I do. It's such a good touch that the light in this particular room is blue and it's reflecting Mm -hmm. on Chiana's like gray white skin to make her look blue, too. And she says that the the key to that Zan told her the key to her relationship with Moya was honesty. And honestly, she thinks that they should blow this other Leviathan out of the sky. Yeah, between... The witch and this scene, so much of Zan's ghost haunts this episode, even though she's not in it. Yeah, that's another thing I've really been enjoying about Farscape is the specter of Zan. Mm -hmm. Because that is a thing in this sort of show when a character, a main character especially, dies. They're like you either you ignore them or they become this kind of spectral other part of the show. And Zan is definitely in the latter category, which is... It's nice. Uh, In a show that deals with the consequences more than other sci-fi shows, I'm looking at you, Star Trek. I'm sorry, the one where Picard has to see a civilization die to learn how to play the flute. That's not what happens in the inner light at all, but okay. (laughs) What about the one where uh, What's-His-Bucket goes to space prison for 11 billion years, but then the next episode he's fine and never talks about it again? By what's his name, you mean Chief Miles O'Brien? Yes. 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 The greatest officer in Starfleet history. Yes. But no, that's correct. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't I don't want to be this person. Yeah. He's he's not an officer. He's an enlisted man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I like the fact that Zan's death, unlike a lot of stuff in this show, they've done a few genocides that just straight up don't get brought up anymore. Or after the episode where they happened. Mm-hmm. But like, Zan haunts them. Zan is the shadow that is always going to be over the rest of the cast in positive and negative ways. Yeah, no, you're right. Things in this show don't happen and then fade away. It 
they affect everyone around them. To varying degrees. <laughs> How often are we going to hear people talk about Crace? I don't even think he comes up in this episode. Yeah, I don't think he does. Anyway, Moya says through Pilot that she respected that this Leviathan was grief-stricken because this Leviathan's own children had been killed by peacekeepers. And that's why she doesn't want Talon to be buried there. But she killed her pilot. She's killed other Leviathans. She's trying to kill Moya. No way. Fuck it. She's going to fight back. And she hopes that the rest of the crew will support her in this. And the crew is like, do not threaten us with a good time. Yeah. We're all up for murdering rogue Leviathan. Yeah, let's do it. Jan's ghost is like, oh, I would have argued against this because of that promise I made to the Leviathan god. But eh. Yep. That's the nice thing about being a ghost is that you can just kind of dip when there's stuff that you'd have to argue against. Yeah, exactly. She's with Stark. It's fine. Well, now, Jewel is taking up that position, but Jewel is not good at it. Uh, oh, yeah. Jewel's like, murder's wrong. And Darker just kind of grabs her by the face and shoves her on the ground. Well, I mean, she's trying to talk to Aaron. She's like, Aaron, you are evolving into like a more compassionate being. Don't just go out and start killing people. And Aaron's like. Aaron grabs her by the face and shoves her to the floor. I love how no one's even a little bit listening to Jewel. Jewel's Poor try- Jewel. Jewel's trying to have like a Picard-ass like moral talking it out-ness thing and everyone's just ignoring her. Yep. Yep. So the plan is for taking out this Leviathan. Aaron's taking the remains in her prowler. She's going to drop the remains and then... When the other Leviathan tries to attack her, Dargo's going to jump out in his ship and wipe her out because apparently his ship is powerful enough to take out Leviathans, which... That's neat. It's good to know. Good to know. Because it's not all that big. It is not. And... Oh, God, yeah. I talked about this on Twitter briefly. Dargo has John helping him out in the ship, his Uh ship. And John's like, wait, I thought you were the only one who could use this. And Dargo's like, yes. Because it takes his DNA. It responds to my DNA. So I jizzed all over the controls so you can use them. He says he has coated the controls. He does not specify with what. And But really, there's no... <laughs> it's his DNA. What's it going to be? And John's like, oh, well, good thing I'm wearing gloves, which I think lends more credence to it being jizzed. Dear God. That's not something you see in Star Trek very often. Nope. Anyway, while this is happening, it's cutting back and forth between John on Dargo's ship with him, talking about Aaron leaving him, and John in his hallucination talking to Dargo about Aaron leaving him. And what I think is interesting is he's like, look, I know none of you like it on Earth and none of you have adjusted and everyone on Earth thinks you're a freak. And Dargo's like, everyone on Earth loves me. And they're on a dock and there's some kids working on a boat. He's like, hey, kids. And they're like, hey, Dargo, we love you. I just like that even in John's hallucinations, Dargo fits in on Earth. These are some wicked Australian kids, too. Yeah. Like, they have very thick Australian accents. So I guess they're still at IASA or wherever. Yeah, I guess so. Or... You know, this show was shot in Australia, so right. that's what the extras are going to be. But yeah, it's, I think it speaks to the evolution of John and Dargo's relationship that John sees Dargo as a cool, older or younger brother. Mm-hmm. Dargo's either the cool, older brother who never grew up or the cool, younger brother who gets to have never grown up yet. Yes. And either, either, I think works as a read on this particular incarnation of Dargo. That's, that's very similar 
to how he saw Dargo in Won't Get Fooled Again, where he saw him as, like, the cool new hotshot astronaut. Of course, he was more sexually into Dargo in that episode, but, you know. Yeah. But this is all about them being found family and blah, 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 you know. So, Aaron lays Talon to rest. Chiana tries to give a eulogy, and she can't. She's too sad. She's too upset. And so... Rigel takes over and actually gives a pretty beautiful eulogy. Yeah. And uh, and Jules like, hey, Chiana, would it help alleviate your grief if I honked one of your boobs? Chiana is just overcome and she falls to the ground and Jules well, helps her fall down. Well, Jules has been kind of nuzzling her all throughout this because I guess they made out that one time on Drug Planet. It's weird how this show kind of plays with the two of them having this sexual dynamic, but not really. It feels like they didn't really have the guts to commit to, you know, the two of them maybe having a thing with each other. So instead, they're just like high school mean girls who don't like each other, but also make out sometimes. Well, I can't imagine the network would have let them. Yeah, but they don't even seem like they like each other ever, except when they make out sometimes. That's true. They're, they're very they're very uh, poised to be an enemies-to-lovers relationship. I don't know. I, no, I, I don't think so. That, I, my point is, like, they don't have chemistry. They just seem like two people who don't like each other. <laughs> like, it's not a, ooh, the, you know, passion is smoldering and their attempts to kill each other. Angel and Faith, Xena and Callisto thing. They just seem like two people who don't like each other. That's fair. That's fair. Except when they make out. So the other Leviathan is taken out and Rigel's like, hey, um, no one is chasing us. Like, we're free now. We are free. And Dargo's gonna go kill Macton and I'm gonna go try to, uh, Take my planet back and we're both going to die, but we're going to die on our planets. Yeah, John's the only one who's not excited about going home. And uh, Chiana is, we didn't mention this, but Chiana's going to go meet up with the... Her brother who's having a thing. Right, who's part of the resistance. So, yeah, John is all alone, except with the witch. And John John shows up and the witch is... I guess she's just kind of set herself up in the kitchen, which makes sense. Witch. Yeah. And she's a kitchen witch. She's a kitchen witch. And John's like, okay, so, like, we've been busy with other stuff. We resolved the Leviathan thing that's over now. So I feel like I can be like, what the hell is up with you, witch who nobody knows who's just mysteriously on the ship? And she explains her deal. She's like, yeah, remember how you rescued all of those prisoners off screen and then released them somewhere off screen? I stuck around after that. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that was a lot of stuff to have happened off screen. She tells him that she wanted to give him this gift of revealing the lies that he's been telling to himself mm-hmm. so that he can stop fucking around with all this Aaron stuff. Although, I would argue that John's not the one who's been fucking around, but whatever. And Aaron's not fucking around either. She's grieving. But John is, you know... We, we didn't mention it earlier because the witch has been so barely in this plot, but... John and Aaron, when they realized earlier that they both kind of didn't know who she was, just sort of chained her to the kitchen, and she was like, whatever, I I live here anyway. So John unchains her while he's having this conversation with her about where she came from, and she's like, look, I've been drugging you all episode because you need help deciding how you're going to move forward, and the only way anything advances in Farscape is through 
you know, intense hallucinations and being drugged. Yep. Preferably both. So I'm drugging you so you can make the right life choices. So John tells her the story that we mentioned the dog with two bones. And she asks him, well, can the dog learn? Like, can you learn? And if you had to choose which bone, which one would you choose? Which I feel like, I don't want to get too into it, but in the fable of the dog with two bones, you you don't get to choose. Only one of them is real. Well, I think that's her point. I think her point is that the life that John is currently living is the only real life. Returning to Earth, the, the hallucinations he's been having are just more lies. Yeah, and returning to Earth is legitimately not an option that's open to him anymore. It's the bone that he wants that's in the water that's not real. It's just the reflection. And that actually that's actually really nicely done, considering the way the wormhole kind of has the pond appearance. Yeah. But- so... So we go back to John and Aaron's wedding. It's been hopping back and forth between the wedding and the aftermath of the wedding. Mm-hmm. Did we talk about the fact that it's revealed that Shiana has been sleeping with, like, has that happened yet in the yes. episode? That Shiana has been sleeping with John's father as part of her quest to sleep with all of his friends and acquaintances? It really makes her sexual spree seem less like something she's doing because she, you know, wants to do it for her own pleasure and more something she's doing despite John. Granted, that's his read on it and not necessarily hers, but the fact that she's specifically been sleeping with everyone who's even tangentially related to him. So I was going to say she's not doing it to spite him. She's doing it because she herself is so at loose ends and John just interprets it that way. But she's not really doing it. It's all in John's head. So I guess she is doing it to spite him since Hmm. it's all in his head. Yeah. And at the wedding, we can see, even though this takes place in the past, we could... in the past it's all a hallucination none of it none of it is you know but the hallucination like rewound so we're back at the wedding we're back at the wedding and in this incarnation of this reality john is okay with the fact that his dad is having sex with chiana who's in his daughter role for some reason i feel like you are really like it's weird I know it's to establish that, you know, they're all like family to John. And that's why all of the people from Moyer are slotting into familial spots. But it's weird. It's a weird thing that John's dad is sleeping with Gianna. It would be weird even if they weren't playing with it the way they are. But anyway, the, the, the real the real important thing at the wedding, though, is that it gets invaded by peacekeepers who come in and start shooting the place up because this is john's fear john's fear is that if he goes back to earth he'll be followed and people will attack earth and john pulls himself out of the illusion at this point the witch tells him no go back in you wanted to see which bone was the right bone for you go back in and confront you know the reality of or your fears confront your fears confront what might happen if you go back Mm-hmm. And everyone dies. Everyone dies. And Aaron dies in John's arms. And as Aaron dies in John's arms, she says, I've never felt better, which is what dead John said to Aaron as he was dying. Hmm. Yeah. We, God, we see the pilot puppet for like a second. I know. They were just so much trouble. Also, Jewel is dressed like somebody's mom. Like, Jules wearing this weird, shiny, pink... Skirt suit. Skirt suit. And she, like, shoves a bald guy in front of her to take bullets, and then she gets shot with the bullets anyway. 
I don't know if she was intentionally shoving the uh, bald guy in front of her, but that's that's how it looked. It's funny because the outfit they put Jewel in is not flattering, but the light blue bridesmaid's dress that they have Chiana in looks really great, especially with her gray skin. Well, I think John likes Chiana quite a bit more than... Fair. Chiana just gets shot. She doesn't get shot, like, cowering and, you know, begging for mercy. Yeah. While this is going on, in reality, we see the witch whisper something to John, which we do not hear. Mm. That's that trope that Abed hates. Yes. To reference community. So, Aaron dies. Everyone at the wedding's dead. John has his no moment. And Scorpius shows up because, of course, he does. And Scorpius is like, hey, John, guess what doing hallucinogenic drugs lets you do? Let's you come out of the subconscious and mess around with stuff. Yep, yep. Don't forget, Harvey, Chip Scorpy is still there. Don't forget, you're here forever. Yep, yep. And poor Chip Scorpy is like, God damn it. I have tied my future to this human who makes the worst decisions I've ever seen. So, John does come out of the hallucination, and he realizes, well, he's got to... Stop Aaron, right? The bone he needs is to... Oh, it sounds so sexual now. But the the choice he needs to make is to stay here in space with Aaron and make a life with her. Although I would point out to John, if I was there, that that's not really his choice because her choice is due to a number of factors that are out of his control. So John and Aaron are having an argument about... Because John has reached the conclusion that he wants to stay in space with his friends because... He can't imagine Earth without his friends, but he can't imagine Earth with his friends, so why not just stay with his friends wherever they are? So he's like, hey, Aaron, you're my friend I most want to have sex with, so why don't we go off together? And Aaron's like, I can't look at you without seeing my dead boyfriend because you are him. So, no, that's not something I'm interested in. He says, okay, do you love John Crichton? Not me, not that guy, just the platonic ideal of John Crichton. Do you love John Crichton? And she says, yes, and he, then stay, then stay here. And God, I love her response so much. She says, do you love Aaron soon? And he says, yes. And she says, then let me go. Oh, Uh, which God, just great emotion work, Aaron. Great, completely taking control of this situation. This moment is a little bit killed for me. By the fact that John leans in for a kiss, and it's a kiss lean that takes for goddamn ever. Like, he goes in from one angle, and then he kind of nuzzles Aaron's forehead, and he's going in from another angle. And then that turns into a different kind of nuzzle, and then his lips are, like, opening right next to hers. And then finally he goes in. It takes so long that it becomes kind of comedic. But then they do kiss, and John says, what does that taste like? And Aaron says, yesterday. Wah, wah. And then John's like, wait, what if we flip a coin and let fate decide? And Aaron is like, no, stop. And she gets him to go. And What if you listened to my emotions and respected the boundaries I set? So Aaron pulls the serendipity. Hey, remember the movie Serendipity? I do remember the movie Serendipity. So, this might have been contemporaries to that. Uh, it might have been, yeah. But she pulls the serendipity and she's like, look. If we are meant to be together, if you believe, truly believe that we are meant to be together, then it doesn't fucking matter that I'm going off into space. 
I will go off into space, and if you truly believe that we're destined lovers or whatever, then we'll make our way back to each other. And if not, as I think we are not, then, you know, move on. He's like, the destiny doesn't work if you keep running away from it. And she's like, really? Have you read any of those Greek myths you kept making me read so that I would understand your references? And then the coin comes back. Yep. It sure was a long coin flip. And then we cut to John in his module, sitting out in space being sad because Aaron has left. Again. Wah, wah. Mm-hmm. And as he's sitting there in his module, Harvey... Harvey Scorpius shows up and is like, hey, John, the human brain is so weird. Someone told you something and erased it from your memory, but I still know what it is. Do you want to know it? And John's like, no, I don't want to know it. And Harvey Scorpius is like, too bad. And he like pulls John back into the hallucination where John's having his Dorothy saying goodbye to every member of the Oz crew things with everyone in Moy's crew at, you know. Although, his wedding. Although I imagine that this is what they actually said to him when they said goodbye, and that that part is not a hallucination. And the things they all say are very sweet. Chiana tells him that she will always love him, and she doesn't want him to forget that. And Rigel says that of all the lesser species, he's the least lesser. And uh, Jewel's like, I'm not appearing in this hallucination because nobody cares about Jewel. And Dargo says, anything good that I do with my life from now on is because of you. Aw. Yeah. But... Anyway, then uh, then Scorpius leans in and tells him what the witch told him, which is that Aaron is with child. <laughs> uh, and John's like, what? And then he's like, pilot, we gotta go get Aaron! Yeah, because Scorpius tells him that, like, the second after Aaron leaves. Yeah, pilot's like, she's just out of range. And, and John's like, well, we have to find her then! And the pilot's like, okay, calm down, calm down. I will plot her most likely course. Uh, we'll we'll go. We'll figure it out. We'll starburst. And oops, then a wormhole opens and sucks Moya into it. And now John is floating alone in space with no fuel. And he says, you have got to be kidding me. And that's the end of the season. I really like <laughs> this episode. I mean, I, I didn't love the... I didn't love that we're back in Hallucination Town. I'm sorry. It's a well that Farscape visits far too often for my liking. I mean, I like these hallucinations, and I feel like these are different from... When we were back on fake Earth the first time. I feel like these are different because these are not hidden from either the character or the audience. No one thinks that they're real. They're explicitly about John kind of unraveling his fears. Mm. And I think that makes it different than the, like, normal again... From Buffy, like, oh, you were in an insane asylum the whole time. Or that episode we showed Jay. Okay, that that one I also feel like is different. I like that one. I, I like that one because it's very obvious things are wrong. But I don't know. It's a well that Farscape visits too often for me to be comfortable with it. But I guess I do appreciate that canonically everyone knows that John's tripping and they're just all kind of trying to work around it. Yeah, exactly. And I like the witch. I'm glad she's sticking around. She was going to be one of my, you know, characters on Farscape who are one shots, but I would like to see more of like that as Zenitian pirate or like that mechanic lady whose name I never remember. Furlough. Furlough. Or heck, I know he wasn't a one shot character, but I like Joffy. Yeah. Yeah. He will come back in the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Is he going to come back to die? Because that seems like the sort of thing that would happen in a movie. So we have our segments. <laughs> so we have our segments here at Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. Our first segment is a distant part of the universe, which is what world building worked for you here. This feels like cheating. This really feels like cheating, but I like the fact that witches just exist. Yeah. Like, that's fun. I feel like that doesn't take away from sci-fi shows when there's just, like, witches. I like that, and I like that a witch just showed up in this episode, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, she's a witch. She, you know, she she has a giant cauldron. She's a big stick that she uses to stir it and probably fly. Who knows? Like, I just like that there was a witch in this episode. Yeah. I'm a soft touch for witches. and As you might know from our other podcast, uh, Welcome to Hollowell Manor, about Charmed. Or, honestly, from uh, Welcome to Storybrooke, if you want to go back. It's true, it's true. Lots of witches there. I, I do like that. I, I like that Farscape isn't afraid to have magic in it. Or, if you want to go in a different direction, I like the fact that there is a more traditional witch. This isn't, isn't a sexy witch like Uncharmed or Once Upon a Time. Yeah. This is an Agatha Harkness from the comics-ass witch. Yes, yes. Which I also love that they, they they just basically went with a take on Agatha Harkness from the comics. I mean, Catherine Hahn isn't seven million years old, but... I mean, are we, are we talking about like an Agatha Harkness from WandaVision now? Yes, yeah. no doubt. 100%. Yeah. I like that they just made her a traditional witch. She cackles. Her, her, her feet roll back when she gets squished by a house. Like, they just made her a cartoon Wizard of Oz-ass witch, and that's great. So our second segment is Strange Alien Creatures, where we talk about creature design in this episode. And we went this whole episode, we didn't really talk about what the witch looks like. Yeah. Because she she looks mostly human, except she has a third eye in the middle of her forehead where her third eye is. Mm. And she has just enough prosthesis on that it's like she's inhuman. You know what she looks like? Um, That couple that was played by Billy Crystal and that lady from uh, The Princess Bride. Miracle Max, she does kind of... She does kind of have some of that. No, I was going to say she looks like if a Studio Ghibli witch was recreated in real life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I like that she's just like a next level lady. Mm-hmm. That, I just, I love everything about this character. Awesome. I'm so glad. Uh, and our final segment is the wonders that I've seen. What emotionally resonated with you this episode? I feel like there's only one answer here. It's cheating, though. It's cheating, right? It's got to be the do you love John Crichton? Do you love Aaron soon? Yeah. Yeah. That. Oh, wow. The John and Aaron moment was the, you know, emotional strong point of the episode. Shocker. Also, I feel like this moment was like the emotional strong point of the series, though. It was so good. Really no other choice. Oh. And it really, I feel like we're just beating a dead horse at this point, but... And it really shows how far Aaron has come to resolve this problem in an emotional way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, John Aaron, come on. Yeah. So that wraps up season three for us. We're going to start off next time with season four. Wow. Last season, which is I, which is the last season, unless you count the movie. Movies? Movie? Movie. Um... So are we going to split that into parts or yeah, we're going to split it into parts based on how Amazon prime splits it up because Amazon prime listed as the last two episodes of season four. It's not quite right, but whatever. And has it as two episodes. So we'll do it like that. Ah, So it's not like how Futurama has the movies listed as like 
season eight or whatever, and then each movie is split into like three different episodes of season eight or whatever. Yeah, I know. That's such a weird thing to do. Why don't you just do it as the movies? And the movies aren't like necessary. Like you can, honestly, you can kind of just jump in from uh, Wild Green Yonder into the reboot series. and Yeah. And uh, you don't even really need to watch Wild Green Yonder. Yeah. I mean, all you have to know is that they came through a portal at some point and ended up back up on Earth. Yeah. Yeah. You really don't need to watch the movies. The movies are fine. They're fine. The reboot seasons aren't really worth it. So the first episode of season four is called Crichton Kicks. And the description on Amazon Prime is Crichton's solitary existence on an ancient Leviathan is shattered when mercenaries storm the ship intent on harvesting its flesh. Hmm. Interesting. I'm assuming he's going to be hallucinating a lot in that episode. Might be. Might be. Just seems like a, a fair guess. Might be a thing that happens. All right. I believe that'll about do it then. Yeah, that'll do it for us. Our show is partially listener supported. If you want to be one of our supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Rosa, Ryan, Maricruz, Benjamin, Kate, Jen, and Dan. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And this has been Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. <laughs> <laughs>